0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Welcome to the Kings Insider podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. I'm James Ham, and joining me today—actually, uh, this guy's really special, ha- holds a really special place in my heart. He's the one who who got me stuck in this business uh, and and basically ate up the last eight years of my life, uh, Mister Zach Harper at Talk Hoops. What's going on, Zach?
1: Hey, what's up? Uh, I can't tell if that if that was blame. Or,
0: or or a good thing. I don't know. I, don't, I couldn't tell on that intro. Like, yeah. This is, this is the guy for why I'm doing this. Exactly. This is the guy that's made me work 80 hours a week for the last few years. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. your family profusely. That's right. So uh, for people who don't know, Zach Harper uh, used to run Cowbell Kingdom. And yep. uh, I had started a blog and uh, was slightly successful in my first six weeks. And Zach – came calling and said hey i want you to step in and take over cowbell because i gotta move to minnesota to see about a girl i think is what the line was i I think you like pulled a matt damon and then and then uh yeah the rest is history i've been i've been doing this since 2010 zach we're getting old how is this happening i know someone was like hey how long you been doing this
1: i was like oh almost 10 years like what the (laughs) yeah
0: uh too long i think is the term yeah yeah, uh, yeah, it's an interesting business, and uh, so Zach is, of course, uh, he's part of the FRS network. Uh, he he writes NBA for the former, formerly known as FanRag, um, and also the Count the Dings podcast. Uh, yeah, and you got Jade. I love Jade.
1: Dude, Jade's the best guy, just the absolute best guy. He's so smart. He just has great, great vision. Like I will, I will go anywhere with that guy.
0: Yeah, you know, I've gone to uh, bars in Boston with that guy, and things can get a little reckless. They
1: can get a little reckless for sure. Uh, we just did a live show in Oakland this past weekend, and and it was classic Jade fashion of you know Jade lives in Connecticut, so it's not like this is an easy thing for him to just get up and go to Oakland. Um, and he <laughs> he texts me on Tuesday of last week. I'm about to go into a studio to do some someone's podcast. He's text. He texts me. He goes, "Hey, you want to do a live show in Oakland on Saturday?" I was like, "Like this Saturday? Four days from now?" He's like, "Yeah." I was like, uh, do we have a place?" He goes, "I don't know. I'll look around." I'm like, "All right, yeah. Um, you let me know." And then like two hours later, he's like, "Okay, we're on for Oakland." I was like, "Okay, I guess we're doing a live show in four days.
0: Cool." Yeah, he is. A, he's an incredible producer, and yeah, I, I mean, you guys are all you guys are lucky to have him. So, Count the Dings podcast, make sure you guys are listening, to Zach, at Count the Dings podcast. All right, so, Zach, this has got to be it's surreal, it's basketball Twitter, like in a nutshell. This Jerry Colangelo thing. Ooh. Um, I mean, sorry, I'm sorry, not Jerry Brian, Brian Calangelo, yeah. Uh, it's it's got to be the strangest thing that we've ever seen uh we're recording on on Thursday morning uh, Brian Colangelo has officially resigned as the president of the the 76ers um, because his wife had burner accounts Twitter accounts and was talking trash to players and putting out information uh, what do you make of this because I don't I mean I could see like all of us like the Twitter people getting doing something stupid like this but the guy who runs the seventy-six ers What in the world is going on here? There are two things I take from this. Um
1: first, I don't buy that it was his wife. <laughs> I just flat out don't. I think he registered I think he was like, Hey, I gotta register these Twitter accounts and I can only do so many on my phone. You know, can I use yours? I th- like I don't buy that this was her. I just don't. Like I think she's taking the fall for him and and it's and it's ridiculous. Like I the only the only thing that made me think it might be her was uh was the collar thing. Was her defending or was the account defending like his choice of gigantic collars oh, yeah. on a shirt. Okay. Uh just because I thought like, all right, maybe she bought the shirt for him. Right? <laughs> and it was like, Yo, don't it's, don't make fun of the shirt anymore. It's her uh, fault
0: that he's a big collar guy. <laughs> yeah, that, that was
1: the only thing I could think of of like that made sense to me. But the other stuff, like, how it like I'm I'm not saying that they wouldn't discuss things right but she's talking about she's out here tweeting about like jaleel okafor failed a physical go look into that as the trick like that's too in depth oh yeah, yeah it's just too in depth so i just don't buy it like i don't buy that at all and then secondly like i j- it's i think it humanizes him in a way where We think, yo, this guy's running the Sixers. This guy's been in the NBA for decades, right? Like Mm -hmm. he, you know, he helped build the Seven Seconds or Less Suns, like which helped revolutionize the NBA, which is where we are now, and all this stuff. And he did a great job, um, you know, handing over the keys to certain coaches and empowering them and getting certain players and all this stuff. And and like this guy has tasted incredible success at the NBA at the highest level, and yet he is so insecure about. About certain things that he would go and do this and that's to me that's where it comes from it's like that's got to be an insecurity thing of this guy shouldn't have time to do this i don't have time to have burners and go defend myself on a second account And, and i don't really do anything this guy's running an organization that made the playoffs in the second round there's no way he has time to do this stuff and yet he did it
0: yeah and you know these guys all have like six phones so uh you know well not 6 but maybe maybe 2 or 3 um so it does make sense that they would have like hey here's my phone that's this name you know maybe even on the back of his phones he's got which twitter handle goes to which phone oh that's a good idea you know like maybe he maybe this is where his wife got involved maybe she has a label maker and mm-hmm. she actually made the labels to go on the back of the phone I, I don't know. I just can't imagine a stranger situation. The only thing that comes to mind, in, in all honesty, is when Pete D'Alessandro got on a bus full of fans to drive from Sacramento to uh, a Warriors game and got loose with his tongue and talked talked about his players in negative ways to fans on Ooh, that's... on a fan bus. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's the only other thing that I can think of that kind of equates to this, but even that didn't blow up like this because I think the people who knew about it were fans and then fans that told media like, yeah, man, uh, what's up with Pete? He really doesn't like Isaiah Thomas, you know, uh, or doesn't like his talent Uh, not doesn't like Isaiah, but yeah, just kind of strange. And we, we don't see these guys slip up like this. I mean, I can't. I mean, we both know Jeff Petrie and Jeff Petrie's wife. I can't imagine. No. And and, and, I mean if – I can't imagine Jeff Petrie knows what Twitter is. No, that's probably true. That's probably (laughs) true. (laughs) I don't know. He would be good on Twitter because he would tell like aloof jokes and everyone would be like, is he serious? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if – you know, it's Twitter. I don't know if I'm supposed to take that literally or – if that's that sarcasm, you know. So anyway, uh, it, it's a bizarre situation. I don't think we'll ever see anything like this again because I think clearly everyone has deleted their secondary yeah. accounts at this point. Um, but it doesn't surprise me that this happened because there are people who are out there like searching and, and trying to change the the conversation on issues and to, to pose as a fan, be it on... Uh, a blog site or on on social media it, it's it's just not surprising
1: no, it's not I mean I think it it's funny how we we think we know so much about these guys right and 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 we cover and we know we have a decent idea for for the people we cover, but at the same time, like Kevin Durant's burners right. Um, even though didn't even skip Bayless, you know, not a player, obviously, but didn't skip Bayless have like a Facebook burner that he failed to switch over to, or he's like, I love watching skip Bayless on like some posts for, you know, first take or something like that. Yeah, or, I, um, I wouldn't, or, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, there is this, like, just cause you're successful, um, in your industry doesn't mean you won't want to defend yourself, right? Like you think you would think the success would defend itself or would be enough defense, but, uh. But no, man, it's a human thing, and uh, I just would I wouldn't recommend throwing your wife under the bus if uh,
0: something like this comes up. They've got to be a, they've got to have a really strong marriage in this. And you know, I I was talking to Aileen Boisson. Uh she she knows his wife. His wife used to work in, I believe, in the NBA front office. So it's not like I mean, the Colangelo family has been around the NBA forever. So yeah, I mean, it's not like she's an unknown. She's she's actually a known person to the NBA. Uh, so yeah, it's just it's just strange, man. It's very strange. So Zach, we're watching the the NBA finals kind of. I mean, it's coming to a close. I, am I wrong? I mean, I, I don't think I'm wrong. The no, NBA, you're right. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, this thing looks like it's a sweep or it's worst case scenario. The the Warriors say ah, let's let's give a B plus game and see if we can you know, if we lose, we get back to, to Oakland where we can win in front of our home fans. But B-plus
1: B plus might be generous knowing this group.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. Uh, you know, I, it just seems like, I mean, the inevitable is happening that not only is LeBron going to lose, and I, I don't even is this his fifth, ty- the fifth finals that he's made it to that he's lost? It's either It'll fifth. be the sixth. Sixth. That's, yeah. that's shocking. I mean, I don't... I, that's, I mean, he's going to surpass like uh, Jim Kelly, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he already has. Um, but it kind of feels like this thing is completely over, and it was LeBron against the world, and uh, the world won. And now we're we're going to have to pick up the pieces this summer. But did you see this going this way? In terms of the finals, yes.
1: Uh, just because I think this Cleveland team sucks. Like any any reason we picked Cleveland wasn't because we thought. All right, not not in this series, but leading up to this series. Like, If you thought they were going to beat Indiana, if you thought they were going to beat Toronto, if you thought they were going to beat Boston, you weren't picking Cleveland. You were picking LeBron yeah. because LeBron is that good. And this Cleveland team, like, I mean, you saw him for a couple of months. I don't know what happened to George Hill. I covered him last season on that Jazz team, and he was unbelievable. And this season, he just doesn't seem like he cares. Oh. He seems completely checked out yeah. in every way. And, and the trade to Cleveland, the trade to going to LeBron's team didn't seem to— to jumpstart anything for him, um, Kevin Love is still good. He's still a very good player, but I think he's misused, and I think Tyloo's a bad coach in that sense. And um and he doesn't have enough to have. He he can't do enough to have an impact in this series. I think he can have an impact in the Eastern Conference playoffs, but not this series because it's a horrible matchup. And outside of that, like, all right, you're hoping J.R. Smith hits shots, fine. You're hoping Jeff Green hits shots, fine. You're hoping, uh, you know, Kyle Korver comes off the bench and, and has an impact. Fine. Except you're hoping that he does that. These guys do that against Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Andre Iguodala, Right. Like, yep. it's just different. Like, it's just it's such a disparity of top talent. And I was actually so I was doing this uh, this uninterrupted halftime show um, with uh, with Van Lathan, uh, friend Big Waz from the from uh, Count Dings. And then Eric Bledsoe and Austin Rivers last night. So we're doing this during halftime of game three. And leading up to it, we're talking about like, yo, man, what's it like going against that third quarter of the Warriors? Because that's where they always separate themselves is that third quarter. And these two guys, you know, successful NBA players for the most part. And they're like, you, there are times where you go into halftime up 10, 15 on them. And everyone's like, all right, let's go, let's go. And then a couple of guys are just like, just sitting there worried, like, all right, guys, we gotta make sure we play hard in the third quarter because we know they're coming. Like you just know they're coming. Yep. You know that you know that barrage is gonna happen. You know that defensive clamp is gonna happen. They're just they're just too good. There's nothing you can do about it. And I get that some people don't like this about the NBA. They don't like it being a foregone conclusion in this way because they feel like Kevin Durant took the easy way out and it's unfair. And at some levels, those are adequate, you know, responses. To me though, I do like it for two reasons. One, I like elitism in the NBA. I just do. And I know some people want parity. I don't care about parity. I want the elite of the elite winning the title every year. And two, I think it breeds evolution in the NBA. Someone's going to come up with a scheme that stops them, or someone's going to come up with a roster construction that stops them, and then that's going to become the next wave of this is what the league needs to be. I like that it forces that evolution. It may make things a foregone conclusion in the the interim, and I know some people don't like that, but to me – it's better for the future of the game of basketball because it's going to force teams players to be very smart.
0: You know, you bring up such an interesting point there. Uh I don't seem to remember anyone complaining when the Lakers were showing up every single year in the NBA Finals during the right? 80s. And I also don't remember anyone saying it it's really not fair that they have uh they have Magic Johnson, they have James Worthy, they have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, they they've got superstars at every position and then even their role players are spectacular. And I also, I I don't remember anyone complaining about the Boston Celtics who, if I'm not mistaken, at least four of their players from their great runs are in the Hall of Fame. You know, Mikhail, Bird, Dennis Johnson. uh, Yeah, Robert Robert Parrish, the Chief. Um, You know, and then again, the Bulls won six titles in eight years. The only reason they didn't win the two in the middle was because uh, Michael Jordan went and played baseball. So I don't understand why we're having this backlash now and also, I'll point this out. LeBron is the one who started this whole thing again, right? the whole big three. <laughs> exactly. Like, if, if if you don't want it, like, you started it. You're the one who decided to go to Miami with two other superstars and go dominate the NBA for four years and win two titles. Um, so, again, I don't understand why people hate the Warriors, I don't see that there's that much difference between the Warriors teams and what we saw from the Lakers, what we saw from the Celtics. Uh, clearly, the Bulls were a different beast. I am I, really surprised that they've never figured out a Scottie Pippen type player to put next to LeBron. Um, but for me, the biggest saying for this specific, uh, spe- uh, spe- Jesus, I can't talk specific finals, it's that they made too many changes midseason. And some of these guys got caught up in this, oh my gosh, I'm playing with LeBron thing. And they've never been able to adjust and find their niche because they had such a short time frame to do it. You know, of course, the All-Star game is pushed way back like it has been. We're looking at 30 games at most after the after the All-Star break. And then some playoff games. Well, some of these guys just, they never figured out how to play with them. A guy like Rodney Hood, who shows up a little bit in in Game 3, but... Rodney Hood should have been a huge member of the... I mean, how can you not have Rodney Hood on the floor? He's 6'7", with a huge wingspan, to go out there and play against Clay Thompson. And you talk about George Hill. I mean, again, yes, I covered him in Sacramento. He just got so dis... I don't know, disenfranchised by the fact that he took a whole bunch of money to go to a bad team and just, like, shut it down. And then he had some personal issues. Yeah, You know, he had a couple of deaths in the family, and then he had... Uh, a new baby, but uh, how is it that he is the same player that he was in Sacramento when he's playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers? Like you're giving given every opportunity, and I've I've said this before. Uh, well, uh, on television at least, um, I waited for George Hill after Game One. To I was the only one waiting at his locker, and he did the whole look one way, look the other way, and then bolt into the shower. Oh yeah. George Hill didn't even talk after he's the one who missed the free throw. Everyone think you know you're just going off about JR Smith and it's crazy what is JR doing well it was it was George Hill who started the whole mess by missing the free throw yep. and and then dodged the media and didn't talk to the media that night so just really a, a weird collection of players that just didn't have time to like simmer in the pot is what i see although they don't have the talent to compete with with what we're seeing right
1: no they don't i mean lebron is unreal but i look at it a lot i look at game one a lot like i look at game one of spurs warriors last year in the conference finals right yeah spurs are up 26 they were killing them they were a great game they were not going to win that series they were probably going to lose that series in five games like that Like it even if lebron even if george hill hits a free throw or jr smith grabs a rebound and hits a shot and they win game one this year the warriors were going to win the next four like It's just, it's just, you know, you can start thinking like, oh, maybe this is a Disney movie and everything. It's not, it's not like the talent wins <laughs> out in the NBA. It almost, it's rare that talent doesn't win out. Like maybe the last time you can say the top talent in a series didn't win the championship is 2011. But even then Dirk went crazy and that was a really good Mavs team with great coaching. Right. But, it, you know, but that's, you know, that's kind of one of the few examples, maybe 2004 with the, with Lakers Pistons, because Lakers did have the two best players in that series. And yet, didn't end up with the championship. Like it's rare
0: that talent doesn't win out. Yeah, I think that's what we're kind of seeing, you know. And i I was thinking about this the other day because I, I was looking at the old Celtics rosters. Where would Where would Danny Ainge rank if he were on the Cleveland Cavaliers? Would he be their second best player, their third best player, maybe? Right, and right. for that Celtics team, he was like their fourth or fifth best player. I mean, that's shocking that they just don't have the guys around him. And, you know, Kevin Kevin Love has put up 20 and 10 in all three games. I mean, I, I don't know that he's done his part, but at least he's he's been good. He hasn't been bad. And right. they just don't seem to have a number three. They don't seem to have a number four. Uh, they just, you know, it's really a, a sad thing to see the NBA Finals kind of really look like one team is so much better than the other. And,
1: yeah, and it, and it looks a lot like, you know, maybe those, those... – Lakers in the early two thousands, right? In that the Western Conference Finals were the real NBA Finals. Yep. I mean, and and sometimes the league just goes through that, and it sucks, right? Like you want the finals to matter, but it doesn't always work out that way.
0: Yeah, and we've had awkward moments too in the media where, where people have actually, you know, does this kind of feel like you know the real finals were last were the last series for the Rockets? Do you guys, and this is being asked to Ty Lue, like, do you kind of feel like uh, maybe? You know the expectations are lower, and like he's just looking at him like, "What are you talking about? Like, we're here to win this thing." It's like, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's kind of the funny thing of like,
1: we're like, "Hey, do you guys, you know, is this tough for you? Is you guys, is it hard to play?" And they're like, "Yo, we're trying to win a championship. Like, whether we whether we believe they can or not, you know, LeBron on some level thinks, hey, if a couple things break our way, I can win this thing." Yeah, yeah.
0: You know? No, just- I, I think so. I, it's it's strange. Like game one. I was in the locker room and, and there was so much confusion about what had happened and like, why did this happen to us? And, and I'll also throw this out, like, you know, J.R. Smith botched it, George Hill botched it, uh, but the Warriors would have still had 4.7 seconds if he hit the free throw. And, you right. know, and so they they would have had an opportunity to go win the game. And they probably would have because they're the Warriors. Uh, but then there was also this whole thing about a five-minute overtime session where you literally got your ass kicked and, yes. and so it I mean, destroyed. Yeah. So, so it's, we all want to point at Jr. and you know, like, uh, our guys, the NBC sports guys did this incredible Jr. Smith running to the liquor store thing. I saw that. That was so good. It was good, man. I, I was laughing so hard at that. Um, but it's so true. Like it just seemed like a moment where somebody just wasn't like mentally there where you're on the greatest stage and you have to be there mentally for every second and just lost his focus. So yeah. And to watch LeBron after game two, just to finish this. Um, yeah, that was a different LeBron. He had his feet in ice buckets. He was, uh, he had his headphones in bobbing his head and he was staring at a spot, probably 20 feet up on the wall in front of him and wouldn't make eye contact with anyone. And I know one of the, uh, the long time Cavs beat writers went over and tried to say something to him, uh, and he just like, dude, I ain't talking nothing right now. Yeah. Like, you know, like, shoo, get away from me. Uh, just in a in an ugly, bad place where you know they the realization, man, this is gonna be over quick. At least that's what it looked like to me. Yeah. Um, all right, Zach. So let's get to the actual meat of why we actually we've invited you on the podcast. Uh before that we do that though, I have got to do I've got to do sponsorship things because crazy as it seems, Zach, we have sponsors for these podcasts. Yeah,
1: You gotta pay those bills. I get it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, the you're listening to the NBC Sports Kings Insider podcast, uh, brought to you by Wendy's. Get a taste of the Southwest with Wendy's Southwest, Southwest Avocado Chicken Sandwich and Southwest Avocado Chicken Salad. Bold Southwest flavors topped with cool, creamy avocado, but they're only available for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Also, uh, I'm I'm a big boater. I, I have a gigantic pontoon boat that I just sit and get sunburned on all summer long, Zach. Uh, so we're going to let the boating and waterways people tell us about uh, how to remain safe. Got to be safe on the water. I can't wait to spend some quality time with my son fishing this year, teaching him about casting, how to choose bait, set the hook, and how to be safe on the water by always wearing a life jacket. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. All right, well, we're back. Uh, boating and Waterways, it, again, Zach, I, I firmly believe in I've got you know two young boys that are with me out on the water all the time. you got to be safe on the water. Um, but let's get to the NBA draft. Because the Sacramento Kings, I mean, they never got lucky like this when you were in Sacramento, for sure. I mean, you were here for what the Spencer Hawes mold. Yeah, Spencer Hawes era. Yeah, the Jason Thompson draft. The uh, you, you were here for some good stuff, you know, the yeah. Tyreek Evans rookie season. Oh, man,
1: Tyreek Evans, we thought he was going to be a franchise player. We thought he was going to be a, a Hall of
0: Famer. That's right, that's right. Me and Zach uh, <laughs> were sitting side by side. One of my favorite moments in my first season when... Tyreek Evans hit uh, the game winner at the buzzer, the the half-court shot, and we were lined up at the back of the basket. And you remember this, Zach? He flings it up, and then we yeah. both start leaning because the ball's got a big old curve on it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, man, and boom, the whole place lights up. Uh, yeah, you've seen some ugliness. Like, I've seen some ugliness. You know you're... you
1: know what's great about the Tyreek Evans thing real quick?
0: is yeah.
1: Or that whole experience was it taught me – like, cause that was my first. Tyreek's rookie year was my first year being credentialed, and and it and it taught me. Cause I I bought in. Like, you watch that guy every day. You go, you know, you're covering the team. Like, you mm-hmm. you become more familiar with him than other players. And it taught me like, pump the brakes on any young guy. <laughs> like, pump just pump the brakes. Like, as good as it looks early on, the league will figure him out, and then he's got to figure out that adjustment, and then we'll see what happens. So that's a, you know, it, it, anytime you're covering a a rookie and it seems too good to be true it maybe is
0: because it usually because it's usually too good to be true with most players except for donovan mitchell he's a god and don't say oh, those man. things yeah don't yeah, say those donovan, things because people donovan, from,
1: mitchell. donovan Mitchell's going to be a hall of Famer.
0: yeah those utah people they they still follow you zach you better not say anything bad about <laughs> about donovan mitchell they'll they'll pull the jimmer on you where like 400 people unfollow you on one day oh, yeah. when jimmer gets waved and it's like here's, look man. Here's,
1: here's the difference donovan's actually good jimmer one never was <laughs>
0: No, no. He's trying to get back in the league, though. Come on, man. He's been... Hey, I mean, good for him. I hope he
1: I hope he can follow... Like, I'm all in on people getting their dreams.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah. And he's been gotta... lighting it up in China. Yeah, lighting so it did,
1: up. So did... Uh, what's my guy's name? Josh Gibson? Does anyone know who he is? He averaged like 42 in, in China.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, It isn't Marshawn Brooks. He's been over there just tearing it up. And right. he made a guest appearance late in the season, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies, when they decided to... Go, uh, you know, they they went full tank. You never go full tank, okay. man. Yeah. Full tank. Yeah, you never go full tank because the the basketball gods see it and they say, ah, you went full tank. Um, so let's get to this: the, the number two pick in the draft. If you're drafting, let's just say hypothetical. Number one, who's your number one pick? I, I think everyone knows it's it's DeAndre Ayton. But who do yeah. you, who do you take at number two, and why? Um, I mean, all right.
1: So if I can couch this a little bit, if you could guarantee me that Michael Porter Jr.'s back is fine, like, and it's not going to have any future problems, I would take him number one. I really would. Like this guy was a monster a year ago. I think people forget that. Like he was the number one guy in the draft class. And, but that back injury, like if you have any uncertainty, I just don't know that you can risk it. Yeah, and I want to
0: see more than what the Chicago Bulls medical staff has done because that's what they're offering up. Uh, He's going to do a workout on Friday in Chicago, a pro day, and they've invited everybody and they're going to hand out uh, what the Chicago Bulls medical staff has like put together as their kit. If I'm drafting him, I need my own staff to to check him out. Yeah, I I literally need Pete Youngman like like doing a scoliosis test like he's in third grade, like, uh, you know. You know, touch your toes, check his spine. Yeah, I mean, I've got to see everything, right?
1: Yeah, but yeah, so if you can guarantee me his health, at least with the back, I would take him. But with that said, I'm still, like, I'm high on Luka Doncic. I think he's good. I think he's going to be a good player. Like, I think, I don't know that you're getting this, like, franchise changer, you know, but I think, like, you're probably somewhere in that Bradley Beal range which I think we, I think everyone kind of looks at top draft pick or top five draft pick or whatever. Like, you need to get a superstar. You need to get a superstar, and that guy's got to lead your franchise and all that stuff. I just don't believe that. I think you have to get a very good player that you're going to have for 10 years, which, like, Bradley Beal's a very good player. Would you want him as the number one for your team? No. But would you want him on your team for 10 years? Absolutely. And I think that's what Luka is. Like, I think Luka has so much potential with – his size, with his creativity, with his passing ability, with his shooting, which I believe is better than what we saw this past year mm-hmm. um, with uh, with the way he attacks. I mean this guy we I, I still feel like as a basketball culture, you know it's it's lessening, but we don't realize how good the Spanish League is. you know as a, like casual fans, I don't think they know that that is so much tougher than college basketball. Like he's been playing against grown men and he's been dominating against grown men in the second best league in the world for a couple of years now. And I just think that matters. And so I think his transition to the NBA will be a cultural one. That's maybe more difficult, but in terms of basketball, I think it'll be relatively painless. And Um, he's,
0: he's a guy who's averaging like six, seven assists. And most of it is in the pick and roll. He's an incredible pick and roll player. And he's doing it with what, like Willie Tavares and Gustavo Ion. Right. I mean, like (laughs) let's put this in perspective here. Like, also, they don't give you it's the assist game is not
1: the same in Europe as it is in the NBA. They don't just give out assists. Like you gotta earn that assist. Yeah. Like, you yeah. really do. And he's doing it in like you know, he's not playing full you know, full games or anything. Like he's not playing heavy minutes. All this stuff is happening in relatively limited minutes for a player of that caliber because they that's just how they are with the rotations and with young guys and shorter games and everything. So like what he's doing over there is sensational.
0: Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, it's it's honestly like he's he's getting assists with like a combination of Randy Brewer and Greg Kite. I mean right. <laughs> I don't even I think those guys might even be better. You know, it's like how are how are you actually doing this? Yeah. because I watch when I watch him, he's got a lot of James Harden game in him where he's he's crafty with the ball, but he's always got sort of like the next move. He's priming you for what's about to happen. Um, and that pick-and-roll coverage, his pick-and-roll ability is just, like, off the charts. I mean, we're watching him make passes before the defense even has time to actually establish what they're doing, and guys are slipping right through. So I think he's a magician with the ball, uh, but I have kind of the same reservations you do. I think that, um, I I don't know, you know, I like the Bradley Bill, like, mindset. Like, he's not going to be a shooting guard like Bradley Bill. He's going to be, like, that level of player, and right. I just don't know, in, in this draft, is there anyone outside of Ayton, uh and possibly Michael Porter Jr. that you think can be better than that, that can be superstar? Um, you know, I, I'm
1: interested by, by Mo Bamba, just because uh, if he can actually shoot a jumper, like he was a bad shooter, but he was a willing shooter at Texas. Uh, his jump shot looks transformed already, just in terms of the form and the mm-hmm. balance and everything. But... As someone who covered Ricky Rubio, <laughs> I can tell you just because that jumper got fixed in warmups doesn't mean that jumper got fixed in games, right? Like we didn't see Ricky Rubio become an adequate to, to good shooter until halfway through, uh, you know, uh, two seasons ago. And then this past season, he kind of normalized to where like, oh, maybe Ricky Rubio can't just be left open all the time, right? And, and that was something that five years ago, I saw Ricky Rubio change his jumper, in pre-game warm-ups like he worked on it and he changed it But it doesn't just translate to a game that way because you have muscle memory and all that stuff Yeah, so so with Mo Bamba, I think it'll take a while, but if he can shoot If he can defend like I think he can defend um, You know, I think you are looking at a Rudy Gobert esque type player And I think you can build a lot around someone like Rudy Gobert if Mo Bamba can become even 80% of Rudy Gobert Like that's a really that's a really impressive player to add to your franchise
0: Yeah, I agree that there's potential there. I I just think he's probably the biggest boon or bust in the draft. Yeah, Uh, I agree with that. Well, in the top end of the lottery, I mean, I think that there's a pure six, and I think Trey Young is right on the outside of that six, although I'm not a a Trey Young guy at all. Um, But, you know, I think that there's this group of players. Now, what are your thoughts on on Marvin Bagley Jr.? I do know that... uh, there's a possibility for a workout in on the horizon for the Sacramento Kings, and I'll know more about that very soon. But um, would you take Bagley at at two? Would you consider him, uh, or are you just worried that it, like the NBA game has passed by that type of player?
1: No, because I think he can shoot. I think he has an outside shot. So I'm not I'm not worried. It's a little slow, so you got to speed it up a little bit. But in terms of the form and the accuracy, I'm in. Like I think he'll be a shooter at the NBA level. I'm a little worried about him defensively, and so if he if he can't be a good defender or a plus defender at the NBA level at that position that that four or five that you're asking him to play, you know, it's it's a little Zach Randolph esque, like different, but a little Zach Randolph esque, and like that's still a very good player. I don't know if I'm taking that over a potential Bradley Beal level player, right?
0: Okay, yeah, no, no, I get that. That that's yeah. fair. I mean. I think this is such an intriguing draft because I do think that there are probably, I mean, we didn't even really touch on Jaron Jackson Jr. I think there are probably five guys that I could see as all-star level players and two of those guys being way more than that. And it really yeah. does depend for me on Michael uh, Michael Porter Jr.'s back. I think I'm with you. I think he's probably either the first or second best <laughs> talent player. Oh, there's your lovely little guy.
1: Okay, oh, yeah. that's uh, named after Demarcus Cousins. Uh, interrupting just like Demarcus Cousins might do. <laughs> no, uh, well, and he's
0: Twitter famous.
1: Yeah, right, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, we're we're all right. He he's well known around uh, the the Twitter universe, and yeah. I'm sure. Does he have his own Instagram page?
1: Uh, he did. I don't have the password for it anymore, so
0: (laughs) I can't get to it. So you can just go to my Instagram page and check it Uh, out. Ah, got you, got you. See, you needed a burner account for that. Oh, I did need a burner, yeah. You need a burner account. So, so if it is, if the Kings on draft night, if they do choose Michael Porter Jr., what do you think is going to be the reaction?
1: Oh, people will laugh. People will absolutely laugh, because that's just kind of the default for, it's kind of like Knicks fans booing. Yeah. Uh, you know, whatever their pick is, uh, the the general and you know, national audience will will laugh at the kings of you're taking this guy, and and it'll be funny for like a minute and then it'll be like, Oh, right, this is why they're taking this guy. He can play. Yeah. I think and, he- and I think and I think you have to trust like I know it's difficult for a lot of people to trust the Kings at this point based on the last 12-ish years, you know, but um but if they feel confident taking Michael Porter Jr. second you have to trust that they believe the back is okay. Right. And, yeah. and if their medical staff says like, Hey, yo, we can work with this, you know, as much as, as much as we want to make jokes and everything, you've kind of got to respect that until it proves to be a bad idea.
0: I agree with you hundred percent. I, I think that it's one of those picks that if you do believe he's, he's going to be healthy and we hear things about personalities and, you know, is he a good teammate? I, I'll just tell people this, like, look, Really good players are usually pretty arrogant. They right. they are. I mean, I you know I'm around them all the time. They they are arrogant, and that's what we're kind of hearing that Porter is is pretty arrogant. He's been not just known; he's been a superstar from the time that he was very young. I mean, yeah. You know, the back injury. It's crazy. Is his dad? I've heard in interviews, and I've actually read something where in, in GQ where he talked about being a vegan. Um, he actually talked that he injured his back in like 2015, and he played high school at 75 to 80 percent, and that 75 to 80 percent was 36 points, 13 rebounds, five assists, <laughs> three blocks, killing. two steals. He was killing. He was killing. Yeah, and then and not just high school competition, but we're talking Team USA stuff. We're talking McDonald's All American stuff. Right. I mean, you go back and watch this the footage, and he's just. Incredible. I mean, you know, he draws comparisons to Kevin Durant. I don't really love that. I, I just know that he's almost 6'11", and he plays a small forward position, so that's pretty impressive. But he, you know, to me, he dribbles with a stoop, so he's, he plays smaller than that, I believe, especially yeah. on the offensive end. Um, but his ability to elevate and hit crazy shots and – um, I, I'm intrigued. I think he can he can be a franchise changing player, and I think that's what the Kings probably need is a franchise changing player. So and I don't
1: I don't mind them swinging for the fences here, right? Like I get there's risk, and I get you need stability with this organization. Like I like any criticism of them, I get, and I'm in. But but I don't I don't think it's crazy. To be like, hey, if we can stake our our reputation on this guy's back, and it becomes okay. or or it's fine it's not a problem he is a franchise changing guy and that's exactly like that's been the problem with the kings right they had one franchise changing guy and things didn't really work out with with cousins or a potentially franchise changing guy right like he should have been yeah and and it didn't work out and so they moved on and now you got to go get that first franchise changing guy until you can get the second one and then you get the third one and then you get to take down the warriors and there you go right like that's just that's what it takes
0: yeah, and I think the one other thing I'll point out too, uh, because we have talked a lot about Michael Border Jr., but um, you hear this like, oh, well, they already got done with one guy that you know they already got done with cousins. They don't need another another problem. There is a big difference between Demarcus Cousins and what we're hearing about Michael Border Jr. I right? Mean, there's a huge difference between uh, how, how do you put this between arrogance, cocky, uh, confident. And um, what Demarcus Cousins is, especially as a 19 year old, what Demarcus Cousins was then, um, it, it's a different thing. And I, I don't want to get into diagnosing Demarcus Cousins and and heaping on a guy because I, I actually do like him. We worked our you know most of our differences out and, and had a good relationship over the last couple of years. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't think that you know that Demarcus Cousins wouldn't be aided by. By counsel, by counseling, by you know other things. So, you know, yeah, I think I think just with the cousin thing, real quick. Like, I think he was very
1: justified in being very frustrated with that franchise and with how things were going. I also think he didn't help it. Yeah, right. Like he didn't help the situation, and that just sucks. Sometimes it works out that way.
0: Well, and also Zach, I don't think he could help himself. Like right. that—that's one of the problems. Like I don't believe he could help himself. His best his best month, I remember it was January, the year before he got traded. Um, he was so good. I mean, he averaged 30 something points a game he was putting up. He had the back, I think he had back to back 50 point games. Yeah. Uh, and he was just so incredible. And what we learned slightly a, a little bit after that was that he had gone off social media for that month. And he had been seen as somebody to help him talk through some of these issues. And then, he stopped at the end of the month or or slightly thereafter and he went right back and you saw regression and everything in his gameplay who he was everything that was happening and so again i I, people should not make the comparison because there's very few people in, in this well in the nba world that are like demarcus cousins there's there's just a personality there that's different and i wouldn't make the comparison with porter jr yeah same yeah all right, man. Well, hey, we've had a, a very long discussion here. Um, thanks so much for coming by. Uh, yeah,
1: absolutely. This has been been a blast for me. Yeah, I'm, all, it's, I'm always down.
0: It's been a little while, so this is Zach Harper from uh, the Count the Ding podcast and from the FRS Network. Zach, uh, we'll have to do this more often. Uh, hopefully, we get to catch up in either Sacramento or Las Vegas summer league, uh, and uh, we'll have we'll have more conversations. I'm down. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Kings Insider Podcast on NBC Sports California, brought to you by Wendy's. We'll be back next week, a couple more guests, maybe a couple more pods, because this whole uh, draft thing is heating up. All right, you've been listening to the Kings Insider Podcast, brought to you by Wendy's. If you haven't already, please visit Apple Podcasts or Google Play to subscribe. And if you like our podcast, give us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at NBCS Authentic. We'll be back next week with Doug Christie and another great guest. Thanks for tuning in, Kings fans. We'll see you very soon.